Welcome to the Mixed Life ATL podcast. We're celebrating the completion of our first podcast season, chatting about the Mixed Dish season one finale and making predictions on what's to come for the characters in season two. Hey everyone, it's Shannon and Tarani here, and man, it feels like it's been forever since we've done an episode, and it's only been a few weeks. I, for one, needed a bit of rest with the fam, and hadn't taken a break since school was released for COVID in March, so it was nice. <laughs> you did deserve it. But um, Thank so you. what did that what did that look like <laughs> for you, and what and what does the word relaxation mean again? I know, right? It's like. <laughs> For me, it was lots of secluded pool time and beach time and watching Hamilton on Disney Plus over and over. It just makes me so happy to watch it, that music. And, you know, so much that um, our our Black community is facing right now that we really just can't shut it off all the way. And, um, you know, but I try to balance some fun stuff and self-care to get through this time and prepare to vote in the fall. <laughs> Well, Hamilton is definitely a great inspiration in this time for sure. Very victorious, and we need those images more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, exactly. Well, let's get into this season finale episode called You've Got It All. This is the Mixed Dish Season 1 episode, and it was such a great finish to the season. It left us wanting to see more of this beautiful family uh, and the growing and learning of our of the main character, Bo, as she comes into her own They had two storylines in this episode, one with Paul and Alicia making potential job changes, um, and then Bo having to fill out those dreaded race bubbles for her eighth grade entrance form. Mm. We'll focus on (laughs) Bo in this installment. Um, So she doesn't want to choose one race is what it comes down to. Surprise, surprise. Our fearless Bo. So she decides to create her own box. Mm-hmm. How many times did you do that in your life? Right. I've done it uh, too many times that I can count. Still trying to figure it all out. But yeah. no, still, still processing. Still creating my own box um, in my 40s. Yeah. She tells her friends, I'm not black, I'm mixed. And just like that, just matter of fact, which is in 1986, we know quite a statement, right? Mm. We've talked about our own experiences with this before, but this was such a great reminder of how in the past we've been so forced in, into boxes and labels. Yeah. And it takes some time, especially with, you know, a reminder that this first real, um, like, this generation in the 80s, is everyone's figuring it out as they go, and they're trying to make it their own. Um, But we know that race is a social construct that has left many of us traumatized and frustrated and really feeling less than um, if you're outside the quote-unquote white race. For mixed and black folks, this is a highly sensitive subject, and the show talks about how, you know, some in the community have really fought for the right to make and create their own multiracial identity, um, their own box, per se. And for example, Tarana, you know, this episode pointed out, uh, the grown bow, as she's narrating, pointed out that your fellow Stanford alum, Tiger Woods, pissed off the black community quite a bit when he was decided, you know, he was on this kick about identifying as Kablasian, like he invented that term, Kablasian, that is Caucasian, Black, Indigenous, and Asian. Yes, a Kablanation, yes, and he, (laughs) and you know, I I was really proud of Tiger for that, actually, and not for excluding anyone, I mean, that's not what this is about, it's embracing yourself, totally Mm -hmm. embracing yourself, embracing yourself authentically, and embracing other. Um, and making his own reality um, that was true to him. 
So through other ingenious, also in the show, through other another ingenious animated tutorial, Mixed Dish talks about when multiracial people take on these mixed identities, it can make black people think they're trying to distance um, ourselves from blackness. And, as they, and sometimes people assume that by identifying as mixed, we're, we're saying we're better than black people. So Bo is experiencing this phenomenon with her black friends when she's frustrated about not being able to go um, select, you know, a mixed race box. Yeah. And they're annoyed, quite frankly. Um, and her friend even tries to explain to her, whatever, girl, you can say you're mixed until you're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, you'll still be black in the face. Um, <laughs> Bo acknowledges that when she says I mixed, her black friend is hearing what her black friend is really hearing is I'm half white. So I'm better than you. Um, Bo's no, teacher no, even no. tells her, which <laughs> is true, which it's is true. which is not what mixed race people, not me anyway, are saying when no, we claim both of our But we our can't sides. take away, you know, what they feel, what. Right. We, yes, about. you cannot demonize what people feel. We can only try to explain ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, Bo's teacher even tells her that she cannot add this box, and she wants her. She gives her another piece of paper entirely. Entirely is like fill it yeah. out again. Right. <laughs> um, again, authoritarian figures even in our lives coming in to put the kibosh on yeah. young people trying to assert themselves and who mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. That is a, an age-old thing. Pick one. <laughs> Happened in the '80s. Happens today. When Bo, about a lot of different things with identity, not just race, but um, when Bo talks to with her Aunt Dee Dee, she explains to Bo that scientifically she may be white too, but we live in the real world, Bo, and the real world sees you as black. Right. And it's sad, but there's definitely a history of this in the U.S. of good old day. Biracial people in particular during centuries of chattel slavery were given preferential treatment, thought of as quote-unquote smarter because they had white blood, but yet were not given the same rights as whites because they were seen as quote-unquote tainted with black blood. So biracial people were, and some still are, caught up in wanting to believe they were better than because of their mixed race. I believe out of the dysfunctional and psychotic social construct of race and the hierarchy that was created. And if you're in a system where you're trying to survive and trying to have more rights. This unfortunately makes sense, but it's so sadly twisted and has historical historically divided the black community as much as if not the same as it's divided white and black people. Right, uh, it's horrible. And then on the flip side of white people creating this idea that you're better than if you have white heritage, they created the one drop rule that says with one drop of black blood, you are basically not human no human right. rights right. Um, as as we saw in the era of slavery and Jim Crow um, and as Mix explains this was a way to keep light biracial people from getting away with breaking the rules of passing and using white only spaces and mm -hmm. rights um, and we, we, we do nobody a service ourselves or others by forcing ourselves into a box for someone else's comfort. Yeah. Your inconvenience I like to say or I grew into this saying your inconvenience means my liberty wow and so that's good uh, i really had to <laughs> learn that as i became older that's so deep like how are you supposed to understand that at 10 years old like you know it just it takes a minute right well there was something in me that i think knew it was knew wrong it, right? but of course yeah. until we go through these you know we walk through life and we we Some, become strong to validate right? your experience because it's weird when you're looking at adults and thinking i am thinking different than you 
Something's yeah, not right with what you're teaching it's that, me. It's that authority, <laughs> not of just of our teachers, not of our family members, but also of our laws and mm-hmm. policies in this mm-hmm. country um, that you have to really um, put aside to to embrace yourself and love yourself. Yeah, and I'm kind of sidebarring here, but I, I know that I understood at a very young age, like just automatically being born into the family that I was, is that we are equal. Like by nature, we are equal. Okay, so... I, I don't think, you know, as a young child, you don't understand that there are grown people that do not fundamentally, scientifically, whatever, have thought you're not equal. Like, it makes no sense, <laughs> rationally. And when you're like eight years old and you already understand that innately, but yet society is telling you something else, it's just so jacked yeah. up and confusing. It's a conditioning. It's a, it conditioning. a conditioning. It's a brainwashing. And so yeah. I think that's why young people are able to, even right now with the Black Fight Letters it. movement, they're yeah. like, they haven't lived oppressed, you know, under right. some of these preconceived notions that keep us bound and in bondage. And so they're right. freer, right. as we've seen again in the last few weeks, to, to stand up mm-hmm. against what's not right. Yeah. And we Thank, definitely see thankfully, that. Thankfully, yeah. Generation we definitely, Z. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> saw you. that with Bo <laughs> yes. in this classroom with her sweet little piece of paper right. marking in her own box. Go, Bo! Right. I mean, goodness, it's so much. And I just finished um, Ibram X. Kendi's book, Stamped from the Beginning. It's 19 hours of audio that I listened to. Um, I, I tried to read it, but it was just taking forever. So I went to the audiobook, free on Spotify. It was awesome. Um, and you know, we hear that race is a social construct, right? But so much, so much so, but that it also in this book summarized and broke down how constructed it really was. Um, Kendi's book really has so much detailed information in his history about how calculated, intentional, manipulated, and devised the racial hierarchy has been and has, has been created and enforced throughout the generations by white people to make and keep and continue their power. And the more I learn about all this history, the more I'm so grateful that I'm part of this, you know, beautiful black community um, that's been so strong. And, but Bo is still working and learning through her experiences with her little 13 year old self. And rightfully so, she petitions her school to add the option of mixed race to the testing section. Um, Her black track friends aren't returning her calls. So she tracks them down at the lip syncing mall spot. and must have, you know, I must have been too young for this because I don't remember these places and I would have totally loved them. But it's like today's version of TikTok. Like they make these awesome, they have dress up, you know, costumes and everything and they get to make these awesome music videos. It's awesome. Do you remember them? I never saw one of those, but I would have been all about it. I, I don't, I would have been all about that. What I do remember, um, and I could be caught talking into a hairbrush in the mirror from time yes. to time in the 80s I will say practicing my news anchor dreams but um, <laughs> but what I can also remember is my own real life personal crusade to add a biracial option to various forms one was during a summer internship I had with the city of Bellevue in middle middle or high school I guess mm. not necessarily the venue but I was trying to start local mm. um, and one was when I when I made it to girls state this is a national leadership program for high school girls and I was elected governor my platform, get this, was amending forms to include a biracial option. See, this is all. You are, this, this is amazing to <laughs> this me. This was in the early 90s, I guess, or I, around that time. I got my whole cabinet behind it. Um, wow. 
That's and then awesome. eventually, of course, the census did change, so I had something there. But it shows how fiercely I was against these antiquated boxes. I mean, just youth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I feel you, Bo. And back to her and her friends at the mall, her friends are visibly mad at her and asked why she didn't want to check that black box. Um, and soon after the story takes a turn when a racist um, cop accuses all the girls of stealing and shoplifting. This is when Bo learns that no matter if she goes by mixed, she'll be looked at as black or other. So she definitely has that experience. Mm-hmm. And it was a reality she uh, was bound to face. And many mixed race people are bound to face. Yeah. That mall cop saw them as guilty simply because they are black. And it's not until Bo's dad, white dad, Paul, comes to the mall furious. And we see the, the mall cop changes his tune completely simply because he's white. And this is a prime example of white privilege and how we're conditioned to see white as innocent, better than, et cetera. And it's infuriating, but it's also, it was for me a very much a blaring reminder of how as a child, I felt um, how that feeling was around my mother. You know, I remember having the feeling that because she was with me, maybe someone wouldn't see me as a threat or discriminate against us. And um, I didn't really process that until I was an adult, but I definitely was there. And um, she was basically seen as an unofficial safety blanket. And I see this reaction in Bo, who quickly realizes how messed up it is that the cop is acting this way and changes his tone so fast. You know, she's like, thank God I see my dad's here, but this is messed up. This cop is like completely different attitude, you know? Yeah. I appreciated seeing how our fierce bow stood up for herself and our friends um, when she decided to stay there with them in support and solidarity. You see their appreciation, but then quickly Bo comes back to reality when they ask her why she couldn't have said um, he was all their dads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, like, he was the like, dad we're for thankful, all of them. <laughs> why couldn't you just say he was our, all of our dads? Yeah, just <laughs> out hilarious. of there in that moment. <laughs> hilarious writing right. there. Then we see Bo return to her wise Aunt Dee Dee, and Bo tells her um, that she was right. Aunt Dee Dee, you know, she's black and not mixed, but Dee Dee is compassionate and she's mm-hmm. wise. Yeah, and I love that character. She's got so many layers to her mm-hmm. and tough. And she says to Bo, just because the world sees you one way doesn't mean that's how you have to see yourself. Go, Dee Dee. Go, yes. Dee Dee. Go. <laughs> she explains um, uh, she wanted to get Bo prepared for what she's going to face out there. And that for her, things are black and white, but it's different for Bo. Uh, so as a black woman, it may be black, black and white for her. But for her, her niece, Bo, she understands it's different. And she said, maybe you can be black and mixed. And, and, mm-hmm. and. There's that Crucial. word and, Crucial. right? <laughs> Can we say the word and together? Spell it, America. A-N-D. I love it. <laughs> Bo doesn't understand and wonders how she'll figure it out. But Dee Dee says, girl, I don't know. You're going to have to take that mulatto journey for yourself. It's up to you to decide who you are. And ooh, we take it. <laughs> you know. so, but hey, people use that word in the 80s. I know we don't like it, but they sure did use it. it and she was right about centuries. it being a journey. Okay, so. It's definitely a journey, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I love that Dee Dee says, you know, maybe you can be black and mixed. But no one ever told me 
that growing up, of course, in the 80s, but it was either it was either one or the other, obviously. Um, I came to identify that way completely on my own, um, and it was kind of like a protest in a way <laughs> to identify the way, but yeah. I still just cringe when I hear the word mulatto. Um, so I learned maybe back in college at some point what the term meant, and it's mule in Espanol, mulo. So in 1880, the word quote-unquote black would be used to describe those who have three-fourths or more black blood. Mulatto would be used to have, um, would be used from the three-eighths to five-eighths black blood. Quadroon <laughs> was seen as one-fourth black blood. And octoroon was one-eighth or any trace of black blood. And it, I mean, that's how calculate, this is what we're talking about, the calculation. Um, you have to define this and, and name it, right? And so it wasn't until finishing Kendi's book that I learned the why behind the term mulatto or mule, um, which is a, a mule is a female horse and a male donkey. They have a mule. But mules, the, the part of the why that I didn't realize is that mules cannot have their own offspring. They are sterile because they can't make sperm or eggs. And in the book, Stamped from the Beginning, Kendi explains that white people wanted to keep their race pure and taught the falsehood that if you had biracial children, mulattoes, those children would end up barren themselves. Mulatto, hence the word. So this is how badly they didn't want the races mixed. Um, and so when we hear about the Lovings in 1967 and the illegality of race mixing, um, it was started generations, centuries before, um, at, you know, during slavery and trying to keep everyone separated. It was started on the backs of white supremacy, white power many generations ago in a very calculated, intentional way. And this is just one example, but let's please stop using the word mulatto. And unfortunately, you know, I pray it doesn't become like the N-word where we do some complex thing and we start using it as a word of empowerment or redefining it or whatever. But um, it's probably too late, honestly. I mean, there's currently, like you, you can Google, currently there's a female rapper going by the name Mulatto, proudly. Um, so, you know, that's on her. That's what she chooses and I'm not judging. But um, for me and my own, we are not going to use that word. We're not going to embrace that word. Um, knowing the history of it. And, and since you all, you know, can't seem to imagine, or maybe you can, you can just imagine me right now, basically putting a hand to forehead emoji uh, face on because that mulatto rapper, it just, ugh, I, I just couldn't get down with it. <laughs> yeah, people, a lot of people don't know the history of these words. Some people co-opt them and embrace them and make them their own. Okay, so that is a strategy for surviving in our polariz polarized climate. Yes. Um, so, you know, again, to each his own, but we really do have to drill down into the history to understand why we're still carrying around some of this baggage and some of this garbage, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll read here from a paper I... I, I 
wrote in college just very quickly because I found a quote by an author who's fit, who, who was really good. Uh, the book is Mulattoes and Race Mixture by his name is John Menke. And he writes, one drop of black blood carrying as it did these myriad undesirable characteristics was enough to brand its possessor as a child of Africa with all the connotations of savagery and sensuality, which such a designation inherently involved in the white mind. There seemed little inclination to question the power of those African traits to overwhelm the civilized white traits which flowed in the blood of the lightest mulatto. Mm. The ideas fit together in such a powerful argument against racial amalgamation as well as any political policy which smacked of social equality. So that's how it all goes back to equality. No, no, no. Which necessarily (laughs) implied intermarriage in Mm. the minds of whites. No, that is not me. That is John Menke. Yes, yes, yes. From his book, Mulattoes (laughs) and Race Mixture. But it goes back to justice. It goes back to legal. It goes back to laws. It goes back to policing. Mm. This is how deep this stuff is in our America. Mm -hmm. And I will include some more excerpts from this paper on our site, but I just want to give a beautiful bravo to um, Frederick Douglass, who said, it was society more than the mulatto that was tragic. And so that is a very historic quote from (laughs) Frederick Douglass, who got it even then. And we will include that as well. Who was considered mulatto. Right. Many people did know correct, that correct. about his history. But that's amazing. Um, writing your, your writing from what year? That was um, <laughs> nineteen ninety-five. Nice. Um, well, that was the, that. To be clear, that was an author. I I yes. it in my paper, but we'll include some of the paper. And just speaking of Frederick Douglass, beautiful release of his papers. Um, um, digitally recently. Um, speaking of a historic mixed race person who mm-hmm. did mighty mighty things for our our country, mm-hmm. and so we will include the link on our blog as well mm-hmm. to some of that new news that came out this last week or so. Mm-hmm. I think. At the end of the day, you know, it's easy to say, some people may say, it's easy to say, well, you know, being biracial is the same. It's black. Um, the same as black. But in terms of an experience and an identity and, and all of that, it's not the same in some ways. Um, and and we definitely recognize those differences, maybe as far as privilege and as in the colorism and, and just in parenting and all of these things that make some of that experience um a unique one in a sense compared to you know when it comes to the black community um not trying to be special here no but it is a if anything experience it's a different experience it's a different american experience yeah exactly in Um, our black and white world (laughs) through our black and white eyes (laughs) our black and white world so I have a few random items I wanted to touch on before we finish um, our podcast episode. Many of our friends who are biracial and have biracial families have struggled with their white family members who have been giving radio silence to the injustice, um, the injustice happening and the Black Lives Matter movement. And these are quote unquote good people, um, we always hear, who are facing the fact that they're being complicit in their racism. Yes, you know. who may yeah, and who it's are hard. who are who may not be coming to terms with that. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah, I can say I've heard some radio silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am also so proud of those who have stepped up 
to own this experience as other in their own families, uh, specifically biracial people um, talking about the hurt that their white families cause them. Um, for example, the essay a friend shared with me this week that we're going to include in the blog titled, What It's Like to Be Biracial Arguing with Your Right Family Right Now. <laughs> I'll just say that it is very difficult to convince family who you feel should already know you um, of the authority of your own experience. And so I just want to share a moment of compassion with anybody else who's going through that. Yeah. There is nothing worse than feeling misunderstood by people who, who love you. Um, but who don't know you fully because they don't want to. <laughs> yeah. um, but then again, love is about conquering our differences and being able to coexist and accept one another in spite of them. Right. And they need to understand. They will never fully probably understand it because they are white. <laughs> so unfortunately, that that's something that needs to be talked through. You know, um, it, it's a reality you can embrace it, and but part of embracing it is under is trying to understand and trying to constantly talk and support each other and support your family. Or you can, yeah, don't you can just say think I your, don't. Yeah. Your proximity. Don't think your proximity to someone who is black or biracial makes you um, tolerant. Yeah, just or because an expert. you have a black person in your family, or that you don't make have you to, tolerant. Yeah, like, or, yeah, there's so much and, there. <laughs> yeah, you can also, um, without you can just admit you don't understand. Yeah, that's okay. You right. don't have to dismiss. Don't dismiss or avoid, <laughs> or be radio silent. Support. Um, um, so. We don't want to wrap up, you know, the you've got a, you've got it all episode on such a sour note, so to speak, um, or not sour, but you know, we we love to be educating. We love the research. I love the history about all of this, and you have to know where you're coming from to know where you're going, right? So, um, but you know, there was also a very fun moment that happened at the end of the episode. They went back to the lip syncing mall as a family <laughs> and I loved watching them filming. They, they were filming, you know, recording the lip syncing to the Jets 1986 tune, Crush on You. Um, and you've got it all as another Jets tune, right? I think I got to look that up. I should have looked. It was oh one gosh, thing I didn't look up, but I'm pretty me. sure. You're testing me on my <laughs> 80s knowledge. But um, oh my Crush gosh. on You. Oh my gosh. I loved that song and I loved the Jets. It was like, I saw people that looked like me. And though they were like, you know, from mm -hmm. Minnesota and Polynesian, yes. it still was like, oh, quite right. look at those curls. Look at that poofy hair. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing to see that I, family and their moves in 1986. I definitely <laughs> remember them because, again, very few look like that on TV. Now we have Bo yeah, yeah. and her family, but we did not have that in 1986. It was, oof. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I do, I do love that song. And that was, I was like euphoric, like experiencing that whole part of, the, of this episode. Oh my <laughs> it just gosh. took me back. It's and amazing. And the outfits and the 80s um, hair. It was yes. wonderful. And you know what other 80s song <clears throat> I thought about? What's that? Was it 80s? Ebony and Ivory. Oh, goodness, Ebony. yes. I, don't, well, I won't say yes. it. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, classic. Classic. And no one's really brought that up yet. I they know. did not Season use two. it. That's Season a prediction. Two, mixed dish. <laughs> You're missing one. <laughs> that's, that's our prediction. We didn't even get into that. That's a prediction yes. of music. If they keep up this music theme... Ebony and Ivory. We're gonna we're gonna write that one down and see if it comes true. Yeah. Um. I think Sir Paul McCartney. I think Bo's gonna date her first. 
black boyfriend. I'm guessing. Mm, I'm prediction. guessing that could that could happen. Good and prediction. How that works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and hopefully we see more of the black neighbors too. Rex, who is playing their neighbor. <laughs> Good old Rex. But we'll see. Um, any other predictions you might have for them? Mm, I just can't wait till they take on some of these other things that have developed this year, you know, in the social consciousness. I yeah. think, you know, they took oh, yeah. on, black they took on, matter. sorry, a little spoiler alert. Um, they took on um, the first black president. That was Jesse Jackson's um, oh my gosh, campaign yes. that they were going to go work for. Yeah. That is the job that they, they almost considered. And then uh, we haven't, we're in an election year, so I can't wait yeah. uh, to see what, what happens with yeah. that. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, so I, oh, I didn't mention, like, so when they're filming season two, I was going to talk about this later, but when they're filming season two, they're going to have a few challenges, um, obviously with COVID and it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. So who knows when they're going to come out with their season two. Um, but it is possible. I know Zendaya just finished her film with um the entire crew was quarantined before filming and then they all lived together during production um at on location at this house where the entire they filmed the entire movie and the sound stage and a bit you know it was a bit different but will be interesting for mixish so we're thinking about the cast and crew as they prepare for filming and hopefully the numbers will go down in los angeles and california but we um you know, are excited for Mixus season two. Yeah. And oh, did you have something? Oh, I'm well, kind of I bouncing all over. No, no, no. I <laughs> no. I just really wanted to go back to say, just as my final thought before Shannon, you get to some more of this um, housekeeping. Is just, I really am grateful to be part of this podcast. Mm -hmm. So thank you for inviting me. I mm -hmm. am so grateful for this show. I hope we encouraged people out there to embrace your authentic selves, whatever that is. Um, I encourage you to continue sifting through the headlines and, and sorry, even for those who are not biracial, those of, those of you who are maybe white even, and sifting through the headlines and trying to understand and show compassion for your neighbors and your friends of color right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Yeah. Thanks for being open and willing to see that there is a different reality out there than we see portrayed, um, predominantly on in media thanks to shows like mixed dish and more representation in media i can't say that enough uh, i finally feel optimistic that we are revolutionizing this idea of who um, who america is mm -hmm. and what an american <clears throat> is um and i can't wait for season two. Oh, that's awesome. sorry if that was a reiteration just no, lots to say here always no, it is i mean and i i'm just thankful that we um, went on this venture and decided to do this. Um, we talked, like we said in the beginning, um, we had talked about it for a bit. And then when the show came on, the sitcom came on, it was just like pulling, tugging at me that we got to get together and we got to talk about this. And I'm so glad we did because who would have thought and predicted that we would be in this pandemic quarantining and this you know, American uprising that's happening and all of these things. And it, quite frankly, it saved me personally. It's been a huge healing experience. I see things differently um, than I, I, I can say. I, there's a few things that I, I do look at as a little bit different. Oh, sorry. I look at differently um, having started this, this whole um, podcast and this show just, uh, you know, on several fronts, just, you know, I guess, I I understand more about 
embracing different people's you know identity and, and being multiracial and where a little bit of that comes from um you know just certain things i guess i'll say and i would love to hear more from you know biracial families now um audience members that are raising biracial kids and you know um just all the the different experiences but um yeah it's it's you know i'm, I'm gonna take a little side dive and and talk about maybe how we'll continue some of this in the summer. You know, we might surprise y'all and come out with the episode here or there, but for the for the most part, we're planning to take a summer break. And we're gonna try to um, just assess where we're going with the show. It's been so fun. Um, we've gotten political. I feel like when people talk about being political as a negative thing, I think it's, you have to embrace it. I mean, all of this, the racial construct became, you know, political way before we <laughs> were birthed. You made me this. political. Right. You <laughs> made me a political person. No, no, but you made me political with your labels and all of that. You so it's political. just all intertwined, right? So you um, made me a controversy. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, so stop telling me to not be so controversial and stop talking about controversy. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, and, and have like, we had our break. Um, we look forward to this break before we have to start virtual school. <laughs> with our kids and all that um plan to get some summer reading done another um multiracial sister sunny um sunny hostin has written a book um that i hope to read called i hold these truths a memoir about identity justice and living between worlds so that's going to be something maybe to talk about um, when we come back and you can follow her on her website or the view she's on the view co-host and her website sunnyhostin.com um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I think the pandemic has really thrown us all for a loop. Um, you know, like we said, school is going to be virtual. It's all a hot mess. So we have to continue to be global citizens and keep wearing our masks and wash our hands. <laughs> oh, and vote this fall. It's crucial. And I'm so glad that I have so many friends that are involved in voting initiatives this year. Michelle Obama is really not playing around and she has started her whenweallvote.org um, mission to increase voter participation. And it's so inspiring to me to see this. And she's, you know, I know a lot of people are also campaigning for her to be vice president, but <laughs> I'll be shocked if that happens. But um, she has several celebrities and artists participating with her, like Tom Hanks, Lynn Mel. Manuel Miranda, Janelle Monet, Chris Paul, Faith Hill, and Tim McGraw. Um, and our friends, Toronto and I's friends, are also involved in her mission um, with the I Am a Man that vote, trying to encourage yes. more men to vote in underserved um, areas of our country. So definitely encourage everyone to vote and prepare and, and pay attention to these debates coming up. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very important. Um, and with that, you know, we, we wish nothing but health and happiness to our listeners. Um, this has been an amazing experience. I'm so glad to have you as a co-host <laughs> and doing this together and producing this together. Um, and we look forward to more guests in the future and uh, more conversations. Thanks again to my dad who participated and Dr. Jen, um, yes, thank you. Yeah, and especially the Mixish um, show and crew and producers, y'all are awesome. Keep, keep going, going, keep going, <laughs> keep going. And um, we wish you all the best summer. And thank you for your support. Please continue to share the podcast with those you know and drop us thoughts about topics you think 
we or the show makes this should tackle season two. For today's mixed message, we're asking if you'd like to be a guest on our show. Would you like to talk about your mixed experience? Let us know. Send us your mixed message and DM through our website, MixLifeATL.com, or find us on social media at MixLifeATL. Also, subscribe to our podcast and blog to be the first to receive our latest episodes. That's all we have for now. Until next time, stay safe and peace out. Mixed Life ATL is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia and produced by SDB360 LLC and Capacity Media. You can hear us wherever mainstream podcasts can be found. For information on how to advertise your business on this podcast, please message us at mixedlifeatl.com.